Are you a man looking for an intensive program to help you overcome sexually addictive behaviors? Gateway to Freedom is your answer. Gateway to Freedom is a three-day workshop for men seeking to overcome any destructive sexual habits. Whether married, single, or divorced, Gateway to Freedom will help men regain hope for a new life of purity and real contentment. The workshop is conducted by experts in the field of sexual addiction recovery with decades of combined experience. Read testimonials of workshop alumni at gatewaymen.com. Get all the info and register online at gatewaymen.com or call 1-800-49-PURITY. Hi, my name is Jonathan, and I'm the founder of the Gateway to Freedom Workshop. I want to invite you to join us at our next workshop coming up September 7th through the 9th in Texas in the peaceful rolling hill country. So call us today at 1-800-49-PURITY. That's 1-800-497-8748 or visit gatewaymen.com. Good day, radio listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today. My name is Jonathan, and I'm here with Stephen Cervantes. So how are you today, my I am well, and I'm excited about the topic. Yeah, well, before we dive into that, I just want to let the listeners know that we actually have a new site that you can sort of partner with us um, financially and also, in return, kind of get some additional uh, behind-the-scenes content and some things that would be a little bit just kind of some perks for being a, a partner with us in ministry. Uh, we've created a new uh, Patreon website, and it's a way that you can connect with us. So just go to the website at puresexradio.com and click on the little button that says Become a Patron. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can get some of these insider um, content pieces and just some extra benefits of being a partner of ours. So again, that's puresexradio.com and click on the Become a Patron uh, link there. So Stephen, you apparently want to interview me about yes. something that has happened recently. Yes, so. there's been a launch, Yes, and you're semi-famous <laughs> on the way to being famous. You have a publisher, and you've launched a book now. And if I got this title right, Grace-Based Recovery. Yeah, Grace-Based Recovery, yep. And so tell us uh, a little back behind the scenes about this book. Yeah, so for any of our listeners that have been around for a long time or that have maybe been connected to Be Broken for a while, you might be thinking, now wait a second, didn't you already have a book named Grace-Based Recovery? And the answer is yes. This is sort of our Grace-Based Recovery Uh, 2.0 because about 10 years into the ministry— so this would be about five or six years ago now, I realized that being in the space of, of sexual addiction ministry and recovery ministry and all that, that there were actually very few what I would call grace-based environments for people seeking recovery. Most of them are what I would call performance-based environments. Mm. So the idea of Listen, your your value or your worth is is sort of measured off of how well you are doing in recovery, most of which is tied to behavior. So like, for instance, if a guy comes into group and this week 
He didn't look at pornography, and he didn't act out in any other sort of ways. It's almost as if the unspoken vibe is, your value went up. Mm. If a guy comes in and says, hey, man, I had four days this week that stunk, and I was drowning in porn, and I acted out, and all this kind of stuff. Again, the unspoken sort of message is, well, your value is less, and we're going to kind of push on you and shame you. And you, you sit and, in the back of the room, right? Exactly. Let the stars move to the front. And I'm, and some of what I'm saying here might, might be a little exaggerated, but I'm just trying to give you an idea of that's kind of the continuum that it feels like sometimes in a lot of recovery programs. And I started realizing, okay, but wait a second. When, when I think back on my own recovery and when I think of what we're trying to teach through our ministry— the foundation of transformation is the grace of God. Mm. And grace is nothing that you can earn. You can't earn grace. It's something that's given as a gift. And yet even that gift is what we're told in Scripture. It's, we're told that it's the grace of God that trains us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live upright, godly lives in this present age. That's uh, Titus 2, 11 and 12. So as I started thinking about that, I realizing, okay, so we're told that the grace, unmerited favor, a gift, is what has the power to transform our lives. Mm. So clearly something about my value is given a type of permanent status before God because of his grace. So then the idea was, well, what would it look like to help people understand how to create environments like that that are grace-based. So the original version of grace-based reco- recovery was simply this super tiny little book that was basically meant to give to leaders saying, listen, what is grace-based recovery? What is it not? How are some ways that it can, you know, how can you kind of build these environments? Well, it sort of had, it started to kind of have this little cult following where it was kind of like, man, so many of these leaders were saying this was transformational for how my, how I ran my group. I did. Some people, we even had some responses where people were saying, I didn't even realize that I was running a performance-based group. I mean, mm. we're, I'm spouting Christian principles. I'm spouting these things, but realizing that kind of the structure of our group or the ways that we were interacting, the kinds of questions we were asking each other, we're actually pulling us back into this performance mindset that is essentially saying my worth is on this yo-yo. So to make a long story longer, um, <laughs> then what ended up happening was um, uh, a few few years ago, I, I came across a, a publisher. We were at the same conference together, and uh, I gave him a couple resources. Actually, this publisher had said to me, hey, this resource actually intrigues me. I've never heard that. I've never seen grace-based recovery. It was a Christian publisher. And I was like, well, here you go. Gave him a copy. And that's what eventually formed a relationship where now um, our publisher is New Growth Press. And it was grace-based recovery that really initially got them interested in wanting to Mm. partner with us in ministry. And so anyway, they wanted to, though, say, let's expand this beyond just something that could be for leaders and let's see if you could write it in such a way that it's actually a resource for the small groups, for the support groups or the recovery groups. And so that's what I've done. We've now written a it's a it's a book that can be used in a small group, in a support group. Um, and it's got essentially there's nine lessons if you include the introduction that walk a person through, walk a group through what does grace based recovery look like and how is it then applied in in your life and in your recovery. So, but grace has always been a big 
issue in terms of your religious beliefs and oh, yeah. this isn't just some little trendy thing you come upon that you get you found no. a niche that you can fill. It's funny because as I recently I was looking back through I've been trying to kind of reorganize some of my blog writings and some of that kind of stuff and and also kind of coincided with some other things that I've done, videos and that kind of stuff. And it's funny because as I was looking through all that I thought there is something there's a theme that comes up in literally every single one of these blog posts, every single one of these videos. And it's like, I can't help it. It's grace. It's grace. It's like, it's going to come out. And, yes. and that's actually one of our core values in our ministry, mm. grace. Not only the grace of God, but also how are we gracious towards, towards others. But um, yeah, it's central. I mean, and I think the reason that it, it's so foundational is because I had to recognize, I had to admit early on that none of the change that happened in my life is something that I can actually take credit for. Mm. When I look back on my life and look at how God has transformed my life from my days of addiction, I go, none of that could have been my idea. I couldn't have come up with that, and I certainly wouldn't have done it in the way that God led me through these various peaks and valleys. And so I'm like, that's all God's doing. That's all mm. His grace. So That's good. I wanted to pass that on to others. So you want to do an introduction about grace-based recovery, or you want to talk about grace that overcomes? Yeah, so the introduction here, and uh, and I guess what we're going to do is just kind of give people sort of the, the table of contents so they can kind of see what this book is, is all about and kind of get a better feel for how it can be used. Okay. But the introduction is really just trying to help people understand that grace is really what creates and provides the safety in the environment. In other words, if you create a grace-based environment, what it's essentially saying is uh, you're safe here to be real. And and I hate to say it, but I think there are a lot of places, even within the church, where we're not safe to be real. Yes. Right? right. We're safe to be fake. We're safe to be superficial. We're safe to be phony. You know, we're safe to be what somebody else wants you to be. Bingo. Yeah. Uh, we, we kind of be whatever anybody else wants us to be. And and Grace is saying, we're already acknowledging that we know this, that your story is going to be messy. Because if you step into a grace-based recovery group, guess what you're saying? I'm addicted to something. Hmm. So grace, a and grace... I need grace. Yes. I'm addicted and I need grace. So a grace environment says, welcome. This is the place where you can be honest about your addiction in order that healing can start to happen. So it it just creates that safety that says this is the context in which healing and growth can happen is this grace-based environment. So we got a context, right? Now we move to lesson 1, grace to overcome. Yeah, so this is where I want to I wanted to unpack for everybody because again, people hear the word grace and I think first many people think well, isn't that what you say before you eat? Let's say grace, right? So probably they have this yes. they have a totally skewed concept of what grace even is. But then even if you say what it is, like grace is the is this unmerited favor. It's a it's an undeserved kindness. Mm. I think some people will look at that and go, that doesn't sound like anything that would have any power to it. Right? It feels weak. It feels, you know, I think sometimes that can be the connotation that people would have is like, well, that's nice, you know, Grace. That's a nice Isn't thing. that sweet, yeah, you know? Yes. And what I wanted to kind of right off the bat is say, 
No, from a biblical perspective, from God's perspective, uh, grace is powerful. Because think about what grace really means from a spiritual perspective. Grace means that the almighty creator of heaven and earth, Mm -hmm. who is a holy God and absolutely perfect, by grace offered us a sinful, imperfect, unholy people access to him. Is that weak? Is that something that didn't have to move heaven and earth? Mm. And when you think about the sacrifice that was made of his only son, Jesus Christ, to make that happen, that's not some kind of weak, flimsy, you know, bubblegum kind of attribute there. That is, that's got power to it. Does that make sense? I mean, it's like... To overcome, it has power to transform and to overcome. You're saying that very thought that we have access to the Father. Think of the... can be in his presence. Yeah, when you think of the degree to which God had to stoop into Mm -hmm. our existence, into our broken, sinful existence, to then be able to pay the penalty that we owed to give us something that we don't deserve. That's what grace is, right? Uh, What I'm saying is that distance that God came was not, did not happen by weakness. It happened because he he exhibited great power in order to do that. And so to break the power of sin, to break the power of death, Mm. and then say here, as a free gift, (laughs) I'm going to give you that very power as for free that to me is where i say okay grace has significant power it's not some kind of weak weak flimsy thing and so i wanted to establish that on the front end because a lot of times people when they recognize they're addicted to something one of the things they have to acknowledge right is that it has control of them it is more powerful than them right right so what i'm saying is when you recognize that in order to break an addiction, you need something more powerful than the addiction, mm-hmm. I'm saying that thing comes by way of God's grace, that it's God's grace that actually introduces you and ushers you in to the very power that's like that you need. like the foundation, right? Absolutely, Of yeah. everything. You build on that thought. Yeah. Then you say in Lesson 2, there's grace to share your story. Yeah, and that's where we essentially say, what we want to do is we want to bring value and dignity to a person that steps into a recovery environment. Because I think what happens is, listen, if you're stepping into a recovery environment, then you are bringing a story of brokenness and pain, probably trauma, maybe abuse, right? It's messy. And I think right. what happens is there is, and also there's tons of shame that, that clings to that, right? Mm-hmm. So I think sometimes when a person steps into a recovery environment, they may know that at some point they're going to have to share their story, but they might not know if they will be welcomed after they mm. share their story. That's right. There are places they'll run you out of town. Yeah. Tell us that story. And, and grace is saying your value, your dignity as a human being made in the image of God will not be diminished by whatever comes out of your mouth sharing your story. So whatever kind of pain was either inflicted upon you or whatever kind of pain you've inflicted upon others, grace says your story is connected to a person of great, infinite worth Mm. to a holy God. You have value. So 
overall, the thread that grace runs through the entire recovery process is related to your worth and your value before God. And okay. we're, we're saying grace allows that to be unchanging before God. So, for instance, then when a person is telling their story and they're starting to feel the shame begin to overwhelm them and the many times they've failed, the many times they've gone back to that well over and over and over mm-hmm. again, what we want to try to do in, great, in a grace-based environment is saying your value before God is a constant. Shame wants to take you down here, right? Shame wants to yeah. say, oh, you're a scumbag, you're awful. But what we know because of what Jesus did for us is that our value was represented on the cross. That's how much you're worth to God. Mm. And because Jesus is the eternal second person of the Trinity and his value will never diminish and he's he is alive forevermore, guess what? Your value can never diminish either because that's the constant that that exhibits your value before God. So tell your story. It's okay to tell your story. And you have value and dignity, you said, when it's over. Mm-hmm. So in lesson three, grace gives you a place to belong. Yeah, so when you share your story, obviously there's going to be a lot of fear, right? <laughs> right. And what we want to do is grace says, listen, if you've stepped into this environment with a story of addiction and a desire to get help, this is your tribe. Mm-hmm. You belong here. And think about how, I mean, I get emotional when I think about it. Think mm-hmm. about what that means to a person that has felt so alone in their sin. Mm-hmm. So isolated, so rejected in their brokenness, right? How powerful is yes. it that grace says we have a place to belong? We have a family to belong to. And it's like when I think about who Jesus surrounded himself with and who he chose to hang out with, if that's not what the addiction community looks like, tell me what it is. I mean, it's like all the outcasts, all the rejects, all the marginalized, all the you know, the most broken among us. Follow him, right? And what I'm Follow saying... the leader. And yeah, what, what Jesus exhibited for us and really what grace then shows us is that you belong in this. Mm-hmm. You're not... You're not... Um, you're not meant to be outside this space. You're, you're meant to be inside this space. You belong in this circle. You belong in this group. Mm-hmm. So then lesson four says there's grace to get back up. Okay, this is the again. This is the chapter that everybody might wish wasn't in there because shouldn't this all be about well listen, grace really you know, turns you into a perfect person. <laughs> and sadly, that isn't true, not this side of heaven anyway. Right. And so the idea here is we have to recognize that everybody falls on the journey of recovery, right? Everybody stumbles. And what grace does is says, hey, it's not about the, whether or not you fall. It's get back up. Yeah. In other words, grace doesn't, doesn't penalize you for stumbling. In fact, what grace does is it invites you into an opportunity to say, because your value cannot change before God, no matter how well you do or how poorly you do, then why don't you look at this failure, this stumbling, as an opportunity to learn from it? What what might it be revealing to you about maybe some temptations, maybe some triggers, maybe something about the woundedness in your past? Is there something you can learn from this and therefore grow? And that's the, you know, that's really, 
we've got to be able to give a space where people can get back up because the Bible says the righteous man falls seven times, yet he rises again. So it's saying even the righteous fall, Mm -hmm. but what marks them is they get back up. And so grace says, hey, your value didn't change before God, so get back up, learn from it, and keep going. That's good news. It is good news. You know, because I think everybody is going to fall, stumble, get Mm -hmm. tired, sit down, but get back up. Lesson five, the grace to persevere. Yeah, so uh, we see a lot of people in our ministry that start very fast, mm-hmm. right? They get a lot of energy. They start fast, and because they they still have a performance mindset, so in other words, they're still saying, you know what, it's really still all about me, my effort, and how well I do. Well, guess what? They fizzle. They, they, right. they burn out. Oh, gosh. And so grace, I think, if you can really let grace get into your being, if I can put it this way, you start to relax, and you recognize That's this is good. a long, long journey. In fact, if I could put it this way, this is a lifelong journey of growth. I'm not saying recovery is lifelong, but what I am saying is the journey that that starts in recovery is lifelong in the sense that we're always going to be on a growth mission, right? There's always something to learn and move. So what if we adopted a mindset that says, hey, it's not about me getting, you know, all better in 90 days. Okay. <laughs> but what if I said hey, I want to grow in this grace, and I want to learn what it is to just be faithful day after day after day, Mm. maybe stumbling after stumbling, but continuing to get back up, three steps forward, two steps back, then four steps forward, one step back. So perseverance, just continuing to persist forward. So lesson number six, it says, grace to forgive. Yeah, so this is a... uh, while, while grace cannot be earned, it doesn't mean that we don't do any work within this great environment of grace. So, for instance, we don't do the work, the hard work, because I really believe forgiveness is, is, is hard work in recovery. And I mean both forgiving those who've hurt us in our past, mm-hmm. but also then seeking to make amends and, and seek forgiveness from those that we hurt. Um, that's hard work. Those are those are tough decisions to make. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we don't do these things in order to try to earn grace because we can't earn grace. We do these things because we have been given grace. And so when you think when you think about grace, grace is God saying, "I have forgiven you." And think about well, what are you going to do with that? Right? Yeah, how are you going to steward that great gift? Yeah. So what we do is we recognize because of what we have been given and been so God has been so kind toward us, can we then offer and extend that to others and even seek that from those we, we hurt? And so there's a there's a real aspect of humility that comes out in that particular lesson of are we willing mm. to really go on that mission of of forgiveness? Well, and that goes with being set free and being cleaned up, right? And yeah. Sort of being restored. Lesson seven, grace to grow up. Okay, yeah, this is one that, um, I don't know, my, my my publisher was gracious with me. I might have been too blunt or harsh in this one, but I feel like, um, you know, don't we, if I can put it this way, I think our listeners know that we're we're pretty raw and honest here, but, <laughs> but Stephen, oh boy, what's coming? You know, we deal with 
little kids sometimes, don't we, in this oh, ministry? right. 50, 60-year-old men that are acting like two-year-olds, you know, and there's just this— Throwing fits and arguing and yeah, thrashing, yep. And I don't mean to—I'm not trying to be derogatory or shame anybody, but here's the reality of recovery. One of the things that recovery teaches us is, listen, it's not all about you. It's not all, it's not all about you. Hmm. And just to break that childish thinking that says, if I don't get my way, then I'm going to throw a fit and I, you know, and I'm going to and thrash around. And so this is saying, wow, that's good. What, what this is saying is grace actually begins to gently put a mirror in front of our face and say, say, part of the kindness that I'm showing to you is the cousin of grace, which is mercy. Because if I did give you what you do deserve, then you couldn't stand before a holy God. Mm. So could you begin to recognize that um, you're going to have to grow up, you're going to have to take some responsibility, and grace is something that drives us to that because we realize we are actually here for a purpose. We're not some random cosmic accident. God has a purpose for us, and he wants us to be about that purpose. Mm -hmm. And that's really what kind of leads into Lesson 8, right? To love well, Lesson 8. Grace is about loving well. Yeah, and and Stephen, you've taught me so much about this because uh, one of my favorite sayings that you have is, you know, we were not made to be great lusters, Mm. but great lovers. Right. And I really do believe that if you, if somebody were to ask me, okay, boil down what the overall final, like, end game mission is for recovery, mm-hmm. I would say it's this: we are made to love well. That's the mission. Now, it might not seem like that's totally tied to recovery because we go, well, most people think, isn't recovery just about listen, whatever you were addicted to, just stop doing that, right? Right. And I feel like. Over the years, and this is one of the things I really point out in the Grace-Based Recovery book, is that recovery has been generally and overall has become far too much about just abstinence, stopping the negative behaviors. That's the regular recovery movement. I think most of it, yeah, and especially especially those that might be considered performance-based, just stop the negative behaviors. Mm -hmm. And here's, I'll be the first to say, there is a, there's a type of good that comes in that. I mean, when you stop, you know, the negative behaviors, that's that's good, right? That's a good thing. Yeah, if absolutely. If you've been drinking, if you've been and, yeah. doing drugs, if you've been more disciplined, sure, that's good. What I what we wanted to show here, what I wanted to show in this book was where grace leads us is to something that is far fuller and richer mm. than just stopping just abstinence. I feel like where grace leads us is to the place of true freedom. When I think about what the Bible has to say about, you know, mm. whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Wow, that's and, good. and when Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life yes. abundantly. To love well, to live well, to have fullness. Yeah. yeah. And so the idea of loving well means that this is how we live before God and this is how we live before our neighbor. Love God and love your mm-hmm. neighbor, right? And so I feel like where this ultimately lands people is getting the person who's going through this, getting the person who's going through recovery to begin to think that my life has a purpose that's meant to extend beyond me. So as I get well, as I begin to shed these Mm. behaviors and these things that I've been engaged in that are negative and destructive to my life, that 
that God will begin to do a healing work and transforming work in my life that is actually meant to benefit others. In other words, it's actually meant to be about loving others. Mm. And so my hope for this book is that it will begin to maybe revolutionize the way that people think about recovery. And by the way, this book is for men or women. It's not tied to sexual addiction. It's any kind of addiction community could use this book to be able to say, how can we drive more towards a grace environment that produces lifelong transformation and real freedom and joy? You know, and I'm looking at this, and it says grace, chapter one, grace, chapter two, grace, chapter three, grace, grace, grace. And it says, it's almost like grace to overcome, grace to share, grace to belong, grace to get back up. It's almost like you could say God's healing presence to overcome, God's healing presence, right, Mm -hmm. to share your story, God's gift so that you belong, God's being there when when you're down he'll help you up god's strength to persevere i mean I, mm-hmm. I sort of think grace flavors with the very presence of god in all of these lessons yeah so how do you close and how do you get the how do we get the book okay so the book is out on amazon and pretty much anywhere that you can buy books i also want to let you know this is a uh next week we are going to be having um a uh, webinar to help uh, people understand more about the grace-based recovery book, how kind of best practices, if, you were, if you're part of a recovery community, if you're a group leader, whatever, how you can use that. We'll give you a link to be able to show you how to get um, registered for that webinar. But we want to begin to do more trainings to let people know how to use this resource and uh, certainly let your pastor or maybe a group leader or counselor in your area know about it. But go to Amazon.com and uh, look for Grace-Based Recovery, and it's there. So... Thank you, Stephen, for kind of uh, being my interviewer. Thank you for writing this book. Yeah. And listeners, we're always grateful that you're here. We look forward to having you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.